greetings to those who watch below. It's Friday, which means it's time for another stop on our paranormal tour of the US. Grab your coats, because today we're heading to the Great White North, Alaska. But before we start, I'd like to say thank you to those who dwell below. An exclusive channel membership you can check out by looking at the link in the description box. So thank you to Steffi Ray, Wicked Witch, Lisa Watts, Lefty Kim, Irish Creepypasta Guy, Jess Black Curtain, Christina Groves, and Julie B. Also, if you haven't already, please subscribe to the channel, making sure you hit that notification bell so you don't miss a video. But for now, sit back, relax, and enjoy. My Seward Alaska Nuisance by Quixotic I transferred from my three-bedroom duplex in Valdez, Alaska to a three-bedroom apartment in Seward, Alaska in October 2010. Unbeknownst to me, I was moving into a place that something was already living in. He was a nuisance. I have hardwood floors and doors that are loud when opened and shut. In the middle of the night, I would hear him going from one room to another, to make it sound that much more intense. It also became a ritual for me to wake up after these noises, just to make sure my front door was locked and that there was no one in my house, scanning each room, finding nothing amiss. When doing so, I would sometimes smell his masculine scent drifting through the hallway. It almost became a daily thing for him to hide something of mine and return it minutes later, like my hair sticks I use for my hair bun. I would go exactly where I put it the night before and it would be gone. I would look for it furiously, walking around with my hand on my head. I would finally ask my kid, hey, do you know where my hair stick is? The majority of the time, she would go back to where I looked first thing and she would find it. At home by myself, I would get negative feelings, like someone was watching me, but I wouldn't see anything. I would get used to it and shrug it off. It was okay. I was okay with it until he started messing with my food. I would be cooking lunch or dinner, and once I was done heating up something, I would turn the stove off and make sure there were no more red lights stating that the stove was on and go do something else. Then, a couple of minutes later, it would smell like something was burning. I would run to the stove, and sure enough, my meal would be toast. After that, I had my mother come over and bless the place for me. She would usually get a teaspoon of olive oil and bless it. Lord, bless this oil and make it pure and holy unto you. She would then bless me and my daughter and put an oil cross on our foreheads and lay her hands on each of our heads and say, Lord, bless my daughters and keep them pure and holy unto you. Write the truth on the tablets of their hearts. Shut all the negative doors in their lives. On their heads place the helmet of salvation. Gird their loins with truth. Shod their feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. On their chest place the breastplate of righteousness. In one hand place the shield of faith, quenching all the fiery darts of evil. And in the other hand place the sword, which is the word of God. Then we would leave, and my mother would pray over our apartment. My mum does better on blessing a place when there's no one there, so she could be as loud as she wants without frightening us. She would first open all the doors to the apartment and all the windows. Then she would take the oil and start at one end of the place to the other and put a small oil cross in it and say, In the name of Jesus Christ, you are no longer able to use this as an entryway or exit. Get out of this room. And she would use her whole body and shoo the invisible out with her arms and hands. She would do it throughout the whole room, including the closets, and any place she thought the evil would hide, 
Leaving that room, she would blast the door and say the same thing. You are no longer able to use this door as an entryway or exit, in the name of Jesus. Then she would go to the next room and do the same thing. And finally, when all the rooms are done, she would go to the main entryway and blast the last door. When I got home, it looked a lot brighter everywhere. I wouldn't get the weird feeling that someone was always watching me. My food no longer gets burnt, and I don't wake up in the middle of the night to someone walking in my hallways and opening and closing the doors. I'm not scared anymore if I accidentally leave my front door unlocked during the night. The Kushtaka Kushtaka are mythical shape-shifting creatures found in the legends of the Tlingit peoples of the Pacific Northwest coast of North America. They hunt prey using shape-shifting abilities. Physically, Kushtaka are shapeshifters capable of assuming human form, the form of an otter, and potentially other forms. In some accounts, the Kushtaka is able to assume the form of any species of otter, in others only one. Accounts of their behaviour seem to conflict with one another. In some stories, Kushtaka are cruel creatures who delight in tricking poor sailors to their deaths. In others, they are friendly and helpful, frequently saving the lost from death by freezing. In many stories, the Kushtaka save the lost individual by distracting them with other curiously otter-like illusions of their family and friends as they transform their subject into a fellow Kushtaka, thus allowing him to survive in the cold. Naturally, this is counted a mixed blessing. However, Kushtaka legends are not always pleasant. In some legends it is said the Kushtaka will imitate the cries of a baby or the screams of a woman to lure victims to the river. Once there, the Kushtaka either kills the person and tears them to shreds, or will turn them into another Kushtaka. Legends have it, Kushtaka can be warded off through copper, urine, dogs, and in some stories, fire. Since the Kushtaka mainly preys on small children, it has been thought by some that it was used by mothers to keep their children from wandering close to the ocean by themselves. It is also said that the Kushtaka emitted a high-pitched three-part whistle in the pattern of low, high, low. This wasn't funny anymore, by D. Taylor, 85. My husband was stationed at Fort Wainwright, Alaska with the army. We lived on base in some of the oldest family housing there. It was built in the 1930s and had been used as a barracks before it was family housing. Almost as soon as we moved in, I sensed that we weren't alone in the house and would wake up in the middle of the night feeling like something was standing over me. My cat would stare at random spots on the walls and ceiling. My dog would bark and growl for no reason. Sometimes I would be alone and feel like I was being watched. I've had experiences with the paranormal before and I never felt threatened by what was there. But when it learned a new trick, it really started to annoy me. It started out when a remote disappeared. Of course, my husband and I blamed each other and tore the house apart looking for this remote to no avail. We actually had to go to the cable company and buy a new one. About one month later, we were going to bed, and as my husband pulled the covers back, the remote was in the middle of the bed. I know that the remote wasn't there when I made the bed that morning. We were just kind of like, huh? I just put the remote on the nightstand and went to bed. When little things kept disappearing and turning up in strange spots, we began to think that maybe it was our invisible roommate doing it. Things really seemed to escalate when my husband left for Iraq, 
I was alone in the house, so I know that if I didn't move stuff, then it must be something else messing with me. When my toothbrush went missing, I had had enough. I said loudly to whatever was there that it wasn't funny anymore and to give it back. The next day, I found my toothbrush on a shelf in the mudroom. Things stopped disappearing, but I think I must have hurt its feelings because I started getting the feeling of being watched more and more. Also, there were times when I actually started to feel uncomfortable in my own house. One night, it got so bad, I had a friend come over to stay the night because I just didn't feel right by myself. We hung out for a while and went to bed. I went to my room and almost as soon as I laid down, I heard her door slam shut. I jumped up to see what was wrong. I opened the door and she was terrified. She said that she watched the door slowly close and then as it got closer to being shut, it just slammed. Now, I feel I should tell you that this is in the dead of winter in Alaska. It's minus 40 out and there were no windows open and no drafts. We ended up both sleeping on the couch that night and shortly after, I was offered a chance to move houses and I took it. Skagway, Alaska Skagway is on the corner of the Alaska Panhandle, a great place to leave the sea and head inland. This town was the largest in Alaska in 1898, as it is the American access point to the gold fields of the Klondike Gold Rush. People arrived in droves and then had to live together in the brutal Wild West conditions since supplying and maintaining order in the town proved challenging. Many prospectors headed out to the Klondike, while some remained in Skagway and lived out their days. Many sightings of ghostly apparitions in 1890s fashion have been reported in the historic buildings. You can visit Skagway and see how life was in an older time, explore the historic buildings, and even experience a paranormal event in one of the many haunted locations in the town. Skagway started as a small village where Tlingit people had lived since time immemorial. In 1896, gold was discovered in the Klondike to the north of Canada's Yukon Territory. The town expanded quickly to 30,000 prospectors, heading inland from the port at a rate of a thousand a week over the famed Chilkoot Trail. Skagway has approximately 1,000 residents year-round and almost a million tourists visit annually on cruise ships and by plane. The town has constantly maintained many of the Gold Rush era buildings for business and lodging. Many of these buildings are said to still house spectres of residents from the past. These historic buildings have had sightings of ghosts for years by many residents and visitors to Skagway. The building that now houses the Skagway City Hall and Tourist Development Office was built in 1899 as the city municipal building and was the first territorial court in Alaska. The second floor, currently a museum, has been home to strange noises for decades and no one can seem to pinpoint the cause of these sounds. The At The White House Bed and Breakfast was built in 1902 and served as a hospital, daycare and hotel before a fire in the 1980s caused damage. After the restoration, sightings began of the gentle apparition of a young woman. It is reported that she stands at the end of guests' beds or chats to guests' children leading many to believe she was the owner of the daycare who died long ago. The Red Onion Saloon was originally built as a brothel, and many claim the upstairs is haunted. The second floor was where the ladies of the night plied their trade, and witnesses have reported cold spots, disembodied footsteps, 
a strong perfume scent, and a shimmering light. Two ghostly females seem to stay in the rooms. One is sweet and takes care of plants, while another female presence here does not care much for man. The Golden North Hotel lies empty, but the restaurant and bar on the first floor are still open. Room 23 is reportedly haunted by a ghost called Scary Mary, who died in the room. The legend goes that in 1898, Klondike Ike travelled to Skagway with his fiancée Mary. She took up residence in room 23, while Ike headed out on the 500-mile journey to the goldfields. Mary died from pneumonia while waiting for Ike to return from his prospecting expedition, some say while still wearing her wedding dress. Reports include her spectre walking the rooms and hallways, cold spots and guests feeling like they are choking, as though reliving her last moments unable to breathe. It is also said that a ghostly light appears in room 14, out of nowhere. The Abandoned Mine in the Mendenhall Valley This paranormal encounter took place miles from my home and I was the only witness. I live in the Mendenhall Valley in Juneau and the high school I attend is downtown, so it's quite a ride just to get to school and back. Sometimes my family and I go for a car trip and just drive around downtown out of sheer boredom. On this occasion, it was my parents' anniversary and my dad wanted to show my mum this neat trail he'd noticed while at work. We all got into the car and drove downtown. The trail leads up one of the mountain sides and the hike, if you go all the way, takes about a day. We decided to just walk up the trail to the old entrance of one of the mines that are scattered around here. All of these mines are closed down and have been for decades. Because of this, they are dusty and dark and just plain creepy. Anyway, once we got to the old mine, outside there was this little exhibit that showed some of the old tools used in the mine. My parents and brother were checking them out while I wandered around aimlessly. I started kicking this rock around and it happened to land inside the mine. I followed it and then realized where I was. There was this rusted gate that had the sign closed, do not enter and stuff like that. About 10 feet or so past the gate was this really big pile of rocks that sealed off the rest of the shaft. I'd assumed that this was one of the many mines that had caved in. It was mid-afternoon, so when I started to get a chill, I noticed almost right away. The underground wind shifted direction, and instead of blowing towards me, it started to pull me closer to the gate. Inside, I could suddenly see four or five men dressed in these dirty white shirts and jeans with suspenders. They all had picks on their shoulders, and they stopped walking as they noticed me watching them. They had no eyes, just these black, empty holes, and I couldn't move. I was suddenly overcome with this feeling of absolute despair and fear. Simultaneously, the men stretched out their free hands and pointed their fingers at me, almost as if they were accusing me of something. The next thing I knew, my mom had a hold of me and was shaking me, yelling, Tiffany, Tiffany, what's wrong? What happened? I realized that I was out of the covered entrance to the mine and I wasn't feeling quite so despairing. I answered my mum with, I'm fine, or something to that effect. Apparently, while I was watching the men, my parents and brother had started to hike back down to the car. My mum noticed that I wasn't with them and she went back to find me. Once she got back to the mine's entrance, 
she heard me making this horrible noise. She told me that she ran and grabbed me, saying that I was deathly white and staring at something that wasn't there, saying over and over, I didn't do it, I didn't do it. She pulled me away from the mine, and then I was fine. I didn't even remember anything past seeing the men pointing at me, and I told her what I saw. But she didn't see the men, and thought that I just had an episode or something. I forgot about it, and didn't really think too much of it. This happened in the middle of the day, around two in the afternoon, and we were nowhere near the river or our house. The more I thought about what I'd seen, the more I realised that those men must have died when the mine caved in. Why they accused me of it, I don't know, but I haven't gone there since. At least, not that far up the trail. The lower half is used as an outside run for gym class, and whenever I go on that trail, the spot behind my right ear starts to hurt, and it gets worse and worse until I almost can't stand it. Hi guys, thank you so much for listening to today's video. I really hope you enjoyed it. If you did, make sure to leave a like and also subscribe to the channel, making sure you hit that notification bell so you don't miss a video. Also, in case you've missed one of these US Paranormal Tour videos, I've now created a playlist so you can find them all in one easy spot. So, until next time, sleep tight.